Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished podcast. You are joining us for episode 67, and today we're talking all about successful New Year's resolutions, goal setting, and how to really get back on track after the holidays. Becky here, along with Allie, of course. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. (laughs) And I know we are definitely feeling the influx of New Year's resolutions between clinical calendars filling up and just lots of calls from new interested clients every single day. And this can be just such an awesome, hopeful time of year where it's like there's so much possibility, so much momentum. And I'm also seeing so many folks doing versions of either Whole30 or different challenges. And then we have tons of clients getting back on track with our keto program. Um, So yeah. So before we jump in, what are your updates, Allie? And how are you getting back on track this year? Goodness. Updates are this past weekend was the first weekend we didn't have house guests. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Claiming my space. Um, uh, No, but we had a really fantastic holiday season. And um, honestly, I didn't really get quote unquote off track. I think that there was definitely more alcohol consumed than typical and for sure more carbs. Uh, I was starting to do really tight carb cycles and I ended up kind of transitioning into a a low glycemic, like 60, 75 gram of carb world. But this holiday season, I really stayed very low craving, uh, completely grain free, still maintained gluten free and very low sugar. I made one cutout recipe with Stella, which was really fun using an adaptation of Danielle Walker's uh, almond flour honey cookies. And I think there's just egg, almond flour, honey, and uh, vanilla. Really simple. What did Stella think of this? She was, the texture thing is still, I mean, she's a grain-free baby. So she's like still, um, every time I make, she's finally starting to get the pancake thing because once a month, that's kind of Brady in my tradition when I'm either on TMI, but when I'm on my period or like on that ovulation day and I'm doing a carb up, we like to do a sun, if it works on a Sunday or a Saturday to do a pancake morning. And so I'll either do like pumpkin pancakes or banana pancakes, or I'll work them in such a way that I can still stay uh, keto or, or really, really lower carb. But um, yeah, we've been playing with so much things like that. And I think a goal of today's episode is finding your kind of litmus um, in the variability scale of what works for your body so that there's not this staunch on slash off transition, because I think that that creates a lot of mind games, you know, and it creates guilt and shame and um, just allowing that, that variance of what the body needs at, at the time. But, but Stella liked the cookies. Uh, I don't think she had more than two though. And um my parents and in-laws helped to knock those all out and um, didn't know that I used elderberry syrup to make the pink color and turmeric for the uh, gold stars. And uh, what was the other thing? A little bit of uh, matcha and spirulina for the green. So 
I had fun doing that. <laughs> I love it. Yes. How about you, Becky? How are you feeling? Oh gosh, I am still kind of getting back in the swing of things after we were in Vietnam and then Tokyo, Vietnam for two weeks and then Tokyo just for a couple days on the tail end. And it was fantastic. It was just two weeks of not having control or even knowing what exactly was in my food. Sure. So I'm just so excited to be back to structure. I jumped right back into keto like two days after I got back and came back with a little, kind of fighting a little cold, I think, from the plane, but I'm feeling sure. pretty good. Good, good. It's interesting how the body kind of craves or needs that grounding reset. And it's nice when the body leads you there versus mentally running up a downhill escalator, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like lock and load uh, concept and the body's fighting you the other way. So it's good when the body's like, please, <laughs> please yeah. start drinking bone broth every day without rice. <laughs> without the rice noodles. And I, I tried to I stay, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to stay on the lower end, but it, you know, some things you can't really experience like true pho without at least trying some of the rice noodles, but you don't need the two cups of them that they put in your bowl. It's For ridiculous. Sure. You navigate. <laughs> exactly. Um, so do you have a resolution, Allie? So, yeah. You know, I was actually reflecting back on last year's resolutions and where I'm at today. And I'm finally fully transitioned. Whereas last year, you know, I sold a house. I bought a house. I transitioned my business to primarily located in the Houston area to now primarily located virtually, uh, you know, Brady and I and Stella kind of uprooted and moved out to the hills and are redefining our tribe, if you will, and, and what work-life flow is. And so a lot of uh, transition, I think, occurred. And uh, my word of last year was recalibration. <laughs> yes, and I remember that. that. Happened. <laughs> I remember, I mean, it's like every team meeting, we are going to recalibrate. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I am recalibrated, girlfriend. Um, so uh, I, I do have a continued resolution, but I'm, I'm really excited in what this year has to hold as far as I, I think I pickaxed my way in 2017 into creating my bliss and uh, an optimal potential for work-life balance. I'm not sure I mastered it but I created the potential for it. <laughs> I'm cautious with those, those words. And uh, this year, my resolution is to continue to work on stress management and work-life balance. And then the more, uh, I guess those are kind of the altruistic embodying goals. And then the other concrete goal that I have, which I've given myself permission to not start until April, um, is exercise. So uh, I've had a really hard time with being a full-time working mama and Stella being almost uh, 19 months now with leaving her to exercise. It's been, it's a personal thing. You know, I feel like it's selfish and taking away from her. And so I do really good when I can walk with her or incorporate hikes and movement that that she's a part of. Uh, but I'm really, and I've done some arm weights at home but I really need to start honing in on my own routine that I can do on my own and then also commit to like a two to three time a week external commitment for myself. But I'm waiting until March. I'm getting my book out first because right now all of my extra minutes away from Stella are in putting out the anti-anxiety diet book. So the manuscript is due end of February and uh, that's my 
my timeline. March, I'm going to start the exercise goal. I love that. And I'm so glad you're not taking it all on at once. (laughs) Then then the layers of the guilt and the shame come. So I'm just being real, mama. (laughs) Being real. (laughs) How about you, Becky? So my focus, it's not my word. I don't think I have a word, but my focus or resolution, if you will, is sleep and working on my sleep. Um, And this is such an obvious one, I think, that often just does not happen for me. And I've been struggling with adrenal fatigue for years and years and taking all the supplements and doing everything right with my diet. But then I'm up until 2 a.m. answering emails and just, it's the one thing that's kind of not fitting. Um, So at least since we've been back, and I don't know if it's just the the jet lag or what it is, um, but we've been trying to get into bed between 10 and 11. And so far it's working really well and I feel really good. So Nice. Try to keep it up. (laughs) And when you allow yourself to put your computer down, you fall asleep fine, or do you deal with battling insomnia some nights as well? I actually have been falling asleep really well. Um, I've been using my my blue blocker glasses when I'm on the computer, and then I've been getting into bed and actually reading a physical paper book or doing something that's not a computer screen um, or work for like 30 minutes, and that seems to work really well. So I'm working on my sleep hygiene. Nice. I love that. And that was really a big issue for me pre-Stella. And then I think I got so rocked in the first trimester that all I could do is sleep. I felt like I was hit by a truck, I swear, um, physiologically. And then I started having hormone shifts back. And sleep for me is a very good indicator of that HPA access dysregulation, like you said. So I know I'll actually get pretty severe insomnia and I've had a couple bouts kind of coming back. And I think it's often following if I'm up until, if I, if I am on my computer past midnight, which is sometimes I'm ashamed to say it four out of seven nights of the week. Um, And if I'm on my computer past midnight and it's something that is a, not just like a cute, short acting email response or whatnot, but if it's a big picture thing, um, like a big project I'm launching or I'm working on, uh, you know, if I'm really in the rabbit hole on a research element of a part of my book, that's when the insomnia hits me pretty hard. And I can be up until 6 a.m. and it's the pits. Um, And so I am working on that. And I'm really excited that we are coming out with a new sleep formula, speaking of, (laughs) You can't, you can't out supplement lifestyle, but it sure can be helpful. So, um, you know, like you mentioned, we're, we're both big fans of the calm and clear to help to reset our superhuman output. Um, and I think that that can be a huge tool as far as daytime and evening, but, um, also the, the sleep support, which has a little bit of melatonin and, uh, has three grams of melatonin in the two tablets. And then it also has, uh, skullcap, valerian, a lot of nervines, which are herbs that help us to uh, relax and are somewhat sedative. And so that can be really helpful if I take that at like 11 and that really will start to kind of shut me down, which is what I need. I need like, you know, someone to be tapping me with a stick and saying, shut it down. <laughs> um, and so that helps at least to physiologically kind of start nodding me where it's like, okay, girl, close the laptop. Um, and, and then I'm still also working on the, the behavioral elements of it. And thank God Stella is still sleeping through the night because that's one thing I can say is very helpful for sleep. Oh, yeah. And that <laughs> sleep support, is it available on the website now or it will be by the time 
Peloton is airs. Yes. Airs. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my rolling to-do list, girl. <laughs> We've but got yeah. how many new formulas? Is it so we, we have, yeah, I think it's about eight. Uh, okay. We have, um, and there's a, I'm really excited about uh, osteofactors. So there's a new bone uh, formula, which has the MCHC form of calcium, which is micro, microcrystalline hydroxycalapatite. So it's actually a bone derived bone matrix form of calcium. Um, so really uh, beneficial outcomes we've seen in follow-up bone density scans and great support for both osteopenia and osteoporosis and much more bioavailable than just a standard calcium. And uh, most calciums that you take in the form of citrate can often get uh, pushed into the soft tissues uh, and create calcification of arteries. So the osteofactors is very specific to helping with bone formation. Um, I think, I mean, I can't list them all because that'll be the whole episode, right? But maybe we'll right. do like a blog on <laughs> yeah. the new benefits and maybe even a podcast. If you guys are interested, we can do something on that too. But sleep support, definitely relevant for today. <laughs> I love it. All right. So let's just jump into the meat of this episode then. Um, I know many of our listeners and myself included had some holiday indulgences and it's really easy to say, you know, it's time for a whole 30 or it's time for whatever insert X challenge, a, a sugar sure. detox or whatever it is. Um, but first I just want to give some practical tips. I think that don't involve like this huge, pending challenge or even a time frame necessarily. Yes. And I love that freedom from a time frame. As we'll discuss today, there's a really important element to being time specific with goal setting. But on the other hand, when we're talking about optimal eating and you know, my constant mantra of redefine your relationship with food, it's difficult to do that in a timestamp, you know? <laughs> so if you're just doing a 30-day reset, that's absolutely fine, but it's really about what that means to you and does that inspire and then perpetuate into behavior change down the line? Or does that mean you're waiting for day 31 to go binge on pizza and beer, right? So that's something to really be mindful of. And I think that overarching all of these cleaner whole food eating programs, so Whole30, 21 Day Sugar Detox, our Ketogenic Kickstart, which is involved in the Virtual Ketosis Program, all of these are awesome programs and they go back to the tenets of eating whole real foods. So, you know, thinking through the time, thinking through the concepts of can you imagine it growing? What's been done to it since harvest? Are all of its edible parts still intact? You know, so anytime we try to trick the body, the body typically wins and says, I don't know what that is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it doesn't optimize its metabolic function. So when we eat real whole foods, we're going to get uh, less disrupted metabolism. We're going to also get more nutritional density because there are so many plant antioxidants and phytocompounds that we are just starting to learn about. We're just nicking the level of the surface of these types of things in nutritional science. So when we're eating a whole food, we're getting all 300 carotenoids versus just beta carotene and, and, and so forth. So I think that's an, an extremely important focus is eating whole real foods. And then you know, when you do that, you're typically going to reduce a lot of inflammatory foods. And especially with those three programs, which are all grain-free and sugar-free, we're going to also see favorable influence on our glycemic index. So we're going to get 
blood sugar stability, which can also help with things like uh, cardiometabolic disorders like cholesterol and blood pressure, of course, diabetes. And then we're going to see metabolic improvement because as we lower our glycemic index, we tend to see more favorable muscle sparing effects and we tend to see more favorable fat burn. And of course, if I'm speaking of fat burn, I'd have to give a little bit of favoritism, especially if we're looking for weight loss results and accelerated body composition change that we would be focusing maybe on dipping our toe into experiencing what ketosis feels like because the ketogenic diet of all of these is going to be one that metabolically creates a shift of starving the body from glucose so no uh, you know high amounts of starchy vegetables and fruits so when we're starving the body of glucose, after about three days or 72 hours or so, the body has to start to produce ketones. And this is made from the body fat reserves and also the higher fat focused diet. And that is uh, manufactured by the liver as an alternative fuel source. So definitely ketosis will have the true metabolic shift of these jumpstart eating plans. And you know, before I put the halo effect on keto, uh, I, I just talked on uh, Jimmy Moore's podcast, Live in La Vida Low Carb, and he's so awesome and such a, a pioneer in the field and has changed so many lives. I think I was episode 1351. Which oh is my like, gosh. Say what? <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'm like, we're pretty good at 67. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I thought like once you cross the 50, we're invincible. But, um, you know, yeah, 100 will feel really cool, I'm sure too. But yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we were talking about how the word actually is trending so high. It was one of the most buzzworthy words, words, excuse me, of 2017. And book publishers are only increasing the output. And so we're seeing a high trend in that last half of the year of an upsell with keto. And so we always want to watch out when we hear buzzworthy terms. What is the origin of them? And getting worried about the negative, I think, of ketosis, which can be going to a processed meat type diet approach. So still sticking with that Michael Pollan emphasis of eat whole foods, mostly plants, you can absolutely do that successfully in a ketogenic diet. And um, that's what I would recommend that listeners navigate through is the keto products and getting back to whole real foods as far as a high fat, low carb protocol. Yes. And I think when we see keto folks out there promoting, oh, you can eat keto at McDonald's or at Wendy's or something like that. That's where we kind of, you know, put our hands over our heads and yeah, <laughs> kind of it, lose it a little bit. Right. It, it's like technically, yes, yes, but that is very far from food as yeah. medicine. And it's actually very far from food yeah. <laughs> because did you know that there's polysorbate 80 in the in the burger patty and there's carbs in the burger patty because there's vital wheat gluten in some of those mm -hmm. things, you know, so all of that stuff. More like soy derivatives and yes. all kinds of, yeah. yep. I'm not sure if it's changed because I haven't looked in a while. I've been so out of mainstream corporate nutrition and such, but I remember back in the early 2000s <laughs> that the um, composition of Taco Bell meat was actually like 80% vegetarian and oh, makeup because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was like isolated soy protein. And then, you know, it had some beef in it and a lot of endocrine disrupting, hormone disrupting compounds. So that's not my recommendation. Let's be clear. We're talking about 
trying maybe keto as an adjuvant to like a whole 30 by just adjusting macros and still eating very clean. Now the big difference I would say would be allowable would be qualitative forms of dairy. And what was the other break that we saw within those programs, Becky? Was there something else I'm missing? Or that's it. It's just the dairy things. No beans, no legumes, no sugar still. Yep. Yep. All right. And then we've got our virtual keto program rocking by the time this episode airs. Um, But if folks are interested in just finding out more information or getting started on their own, um, we are going to link to in this episode notes the Ketogenic Kickstart and Eat That Get Skinny eBooks as a way to get both the protocol and some recipes for getting started. Yes, ma'am. Sounds good. All right. So I know we are going to be privy to our program, um, but even within the guidelines of any program, I feel like we can see a lot of issues if we don't listen to our body or if we ignore kind of those signals that our body is giving us, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's one of my favorite mantras is that doctrine creates disconnect. So if we go into that whole hearted priest mentality of what Ali said is right or what this diet book said is right or I need to just go in this and we're not listening to the signals of our body we're going to not have a good time <laughs> and we're going to not get good outcomes on a metabolical on a metabolic level excuse me as well as a hormonal level as well as an emotional level because we're going to feel that internal dance of the body pulling one way the mind trying to out work the body. So it's really important to listen to the signals. Now, of course, anytime you recalibrate, and there are things like keto flu, right? So we need to be mindful of that. (laughs) You know, when you make a change in your body, if you're doing my 10-day detox, if you're doing a start of a ketogenic diet and you're getting some symptoms like electrolyte imbalances or body aches, try to ride through it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of support out on our website about how to battle those things as far as giving liver support, working with electrolytes, getting enough sodium, uh, working with a good form of magnesium glycine, like in our relax and regulate, right? So there's tools to get you through the funk, if you will. But beyond that funk, if you've been doing a program for over six weeks, that's kind of, I think, a telltale enough time of whether it works well for you then we have to start thinking through, is there something maybe specific to my body that doesn't work well for this type of a protocol? And, or if there's a continual craving, maybe I need to neutralize the good slash bad foods so that I can get more, you know, defining the subjective versus objective relationships with foods. Is this a real food? Do I crave this based on nostalgia? Do I potentially crave it based on a nutritional deficiency? You know, if you're craving chocolate, craving chocolate, craving chocolate, maybe you need to work with a little bit of cacao powder and play with that in your keto coffee. Or maybe you need to play with doing some fat bombs and adding some cacao nibs into um, a recipe with like almond butter and cacao nibs because you might be needing some of the magnesium. You might be needing some of those minerals or those polyphenols that can help with natural serotonin boost to help with depression. And so listening to your body and starting to be intuitive is just as important as following a protocol. I just want to kind of shout that out from the hilltops that the protocol is only as powerful as the application and the application is only as powerful as 
the results or the way that your body responds to the application, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. And I think episode 61 comes to mind, the, the cravings episode that we did a totally. few back. Um, yeah. where we talk a lot more about this. And then Leanne's episode, actually. Too, oh, totally. 64. Mm-hmm. You're right, girl. Um, we definitely get more into, um, you know, breaking up with that doctrine and how we have to listen to our body. And it's not one size fits all. And I think I've been getting a lot of buzz on my Instagram feed with uh, carb cycles and such and how that all fits. Today, we really want to focus on successful resolutions and goal setting and be a little bit more macroscopic. Um, so, you know, this isn't just a keto specific episode by any means, but I will be putting out in the seventies an episode on carb cycling to give you guys a little bit more. And that will go hand in hand with this group of, uh, bunnies that are in our, uh, keto program right now. So they'll be transitioning and playing with carb cycling in end of February, early March. So stay, stay tuned around that time. I will be talking a little bit more about that as well. But yes, Leanne, uh, in episode 64 talks about how when she was so tight, she started to see hormonal imbalance, hair loss, and, and how she had to break doctrine and listen to her body and start looking back at the role of leptin and the role of sexual hormones and things like that with dietary influence. I love that. All right. So before we um, get into resolutions and the goal setting piece of this, I want to talk just a little bit about kind of contextualizing our habits and a little bit about behavior chain and kind of breaking that cycle of cravings. Oh, totally. I think that's great. So I love this idea of a behavior chain and it's basically investigating how what happened happened, right? So if it's like, oh, I'm so frustrated with myself. I ate way too many cookies over the Christmas holiday. That could be an example, right? So it's like, well, how did I overeat the cookies? Let's see. I made seven different recipes <laughs> of cookies. <laughs> I um, kept the cookies all out on the kitchen counter. I uh, didn't donate as many cookies or participate in the exchange like I did last year. And I didn't entertain as much. So there was a plethora of cookies visually there, you know, and stimulating and kind of creating that... Uh, what's the word? Taunting me, I guess, is a thing. <laughs> uh, kind of taunting me on a daily basis. So it's kind of going back through the, the concept of what areas of the chain could we break? So one could be maybe we make one or max two recipes and we right away segregate out four to six cookies in that batch, package up the rest of them and donate them to a neighbor, donate, I guess, give them, gift them to a neighbor, bring them to a party, uh, donate them in to a shelter, you know, whatever there are possibilities to do. Um, and, or I always say this, you know, rather than ever buying store-bought cookies, like buying a single cookie, if that's your thing, this is just on the cookie example, right? But um, so doing half batches, buying a single, not buying a package, which is many rows, because that creates that dichotomous thought pattern of, I've already had one, screw it, I'll just finish the rest of the evidence <laughs> per se. Um, and, and so, and then that wakes up feeling, we wake up feeling yuck, and then we're low energy, fatigued, and we need another sugar pick me up, and it kind of perpetuates this vicious cycle. So, 
working with visual cues, like if there is a target or a um, triggering food that your spouse or your kids or other people in the household need to keep around, how can you compartmentalize that and maybe put that away in the pantry or even in the garage uh, to kind of keep that out of sight, out of mind? How can you create a healthy replacement food? Uh, what are the thought processes that you can go through before indulging and surrendering to that food? You know, is it that you want to ensure you first had three cups of leafy greens? You can work with abundance-based replacement. Uh, have you met your protein goals? And all of these types of things. And basically this chain though, if the chain is not exercising, it seems so simple. Like it's one behavior that was or was not done but there's a multitude of places that you can insert or cut that behavior chain to make the action different. I love that. And I think it's, it needs to be said that even, you know, healthier foods, like let's say Jackson's honest sweet potato chips or epic pork rinds or nuts and cheese can be trigger foods. You know, if you can't close the bag or can't keep thinking of them. Absolutely. And, you know, pre-portioning works really well for me. When I'm uh, tightening up, I really like to do the, the chicharrones or pork rinds um, from Epic and or that other brand. I can't think they're like a number brand, 405. Four, 405, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, it's like I, I need like two or three and it's just that perfect like crunch, savory and, um, but I have found that it can be really helpful to pre-portion them in Ziplocs because they also don't seal very well. And in Austin where it's humid, especially in the summer, we can get like some soggy pork rinds. Which yeah, is not as fun. nobody wants that. <laughs> but that helps for many reasons because I'll keep like a little baggie in the diaper bag, keep a baggie and whatever. And, and I can take one of those small bags, which easily someone could turn into a, a single portion, which it's not, it's supposed to be five. <laughs> and I can easily distribute that into like five to seven. Awesome. And then I think um, it's important to talk to you about some of the self-talk that goes on around cravings. Totally. What's going through our heads when we're contemplating a diet reset or when we've just indulged in a craving? I love that. And, you know, food is an emotional component to our daily life. It is ceremonial. It is celebratory. It, it, it represents so many things and it's okay to honor that. And I really like to incorporate mantras and release, especially when we're trying to reconnect with the self and slow down. I've talked a couple times about Mark David and his work with, uh, oh goodness, do you mind searching it, Becky, as I'm talking? It's, it's I think I want to call it something with the word wisdom in it, but I think he has the slow down diet as one. And then another one, Becky will tell you in a moment because she's going to be a little guru on the, the Google. Uh, but um, Mark David talks about the, the vitamin O, which is oxygen. And he talks so much about being in that rest and digest state and how we metabolize things so differently when we're in that rest and digest state beyond mechanisms of things like digestive enzymes and stress activity and, and how that hinders our metabolic process. But being present and actually taking the time to honor your meal time is a really great way of also having more of a mindful relationship with your food and also getting more satiation at mealtime. So um, I'll often work this with clients with something like bone broth, if that's a new habit, especially patients that are dealing with autoimmune disease and super overwhelmed. I'll have them every time they heat up their bone broth, take three to five repeated mantras of like inhaling and saying, 
I'm taking the time to slow down and nourish my body. Or as I sip this bone broth, I'm taking in nourishment, I'm cooling the inflammation in my body, and I'm healing my gut. And so you're kind of manifesting and emphasizing the what is. Um, and you can do it generally anytime you eat. I choose to honor my body with the items that I'm consuming. Or I'm taking time to breathe through my meal process, which is a way of honoring my digestion. Um, and so you, know, you can go on and on and on. But basically, it's, it's literally being kind to ourselves and honoring our body and trying to shift from that physiological stress response and release the rumination overthinking and focusing instead on wholeness, gratitude, and connection. Awesome. I love that. Is it nourishing wisdom? I am having trouble finding okay. anything other than the slow down diet. Um, oh yeah. Nourishing wisdom. Yep. It, it, it's it just like, popped you know, up. You're right. It's just going to keep fighting my brain. It's okay. Yeah. Yep. See, see, take that Google I'm faster than you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Nourishing wisdom and the slow down diet are two of his books. I think they're both fabulous. Becky will put them um, in the notes. Awesome. And then, you know, if you feel like you are struggling or really need more like concrete action items than some of this more ambiguous, um, yes. <laughs> what would you recommend? So, you know, I, I would recommend, like you said, there's the ketogenic kickstart and the effect it's going to ebooks. If you're listening to this now in the week that it went live, you still could join our virtual ketosis program. We will let people in up until the second class goes live. So you could catch up, you could get access to all the materials and the archive video that's totally structured. And you know, many of us keto isn't the thing and that's okay too. So you could do our optimal eating virtual class where we go through a lot of elements of what we define as optimal eating and how to switch out your pantry with whole ingredients. It can be a really good household support. I also recommend our 10 day detox, which we just totally facelifted the ebook. It's gorgeous and super detailed. Our 10 day detox goes into how you can reset your metabolism, restore digestive health, and renew your cellular health. And it goes into the biochemistry of phase one and phase two detoxification processes, what nutrients are required, a 10-day dietary protocol supported with nutritional supplements. And that's definitely a good tool bar none. I mean, I recommend everyone participate in a nutritional detox about quarterly so four times a year, just like you change the oil in your tank of your car. And um, especially if you have had successful weight loss, and especially if you've had successful weight loss using keto where you're accelerating fat as fuel, in that sense, you are going to be releasing but not excreting. So you're breaking down fat cells and you're activating toxins, which can create more metabolic dysfunction. So if you've seen successful weight loss of greater than 20 pounds from body fat, you should definitely be doing a nutritional detox. And that can be a great kind of recalibration for sure. Awesome. And now that we've covered cravings and how to reset the pantry and the palate, let's jump into actually talking about the topic of our... <laughs> of our podcast or the podcast title for today of resolution setting and how this can either get us back on track or can even further derail us. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So first of all, I guess there are different types of resolutions or different areas of focus for our wellness goals. Yes. So, you know, I, I like to focus on breaking down uh, body, mind, and spirit, or I'll even take that a little bit more dietitian related and say diet, exercise, and, and mind, spirit combined, because sometimes I feel like mind and spirit could almost be one and the same. It just depends on the individual and where you're at, um, because some of us need a physical goal, which is different than our nutritional goal, and that would both be kind of in body. So however you want to break it down, but typically I look at something specific within dietary change, something specific within physiological change, and then something more mental or emotional. And, and then there could be a, a definitely like life specific goal, which is more of your professional career uh, and, and, and different elements like that. Awesome. And, and I have to ask, you know, how do you recommend or do you recommend coming up with a resolution? Because if we haven't started one, it's not too late to create it, certainly. And if you don't already have one, I mean, you don't even have to call it a resolution. It can be a goal, right? Exactly. Right. So I think that the idea of resolution is, is in a way identifying failure or something because you're resolving something that was wrong per se or identifying an, an issue. And that's not always the case. I think that we can also think of it, it as a goal, right? And so I think that kind of focusing on more of making smart goals for the new year is where I tend to trend towards with recommendations within my clients as well as personally uh, more so than a, than a resolution because I think that sometimes that can create shame or guilt and it can also identify your own Achilles heel which can be kind of working against versus working with what, what performance enhancers per se you can work with your body versus uh, the area of weakness. Awesome. And you know, we can start just from what we want to accomplish by this time next year. We can start from where we were at versus starting from it has to start January 1st. And if it doesn't, then it's no good. And all of this kind of doctrine around resolutions that we see. Oh, totally. Um, what else do you think makes resolutions problematic or what makes like a good versus a not yeah, so good yeah. So I think I, I've used that acronym SMART, which, which stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So um, I think it's important to, to identify each of those when you're setting a goal. So specific would be instead of be a better person or <laughs> uh, lose weight or eat less sugar, right? It, it would be specific. I would like to lose 20 pounds. Um, that also makes it measurable, right? So specific and measurable can often overlap. Uh, also specific would be identifying with maybe more detail um, of what a better person looks like. So what are the action oriented elements that, that being a better person entails, right? So it has to be specific. It has to be measurable so that there's things to kind of check if we know we're doing or not doing. And then definitely important is it has to be achievable. So is it achievable to give up sugar across the board? And what does that mean to us? You know, and so maybe it does in the sense of evaporated cane sugar and also in the sense of high fructose corn syrup, or maybe it's now we're going to give up artificial or non-caloric sweeteners. Uh, but 
it, it, we have to identify then what void is created with that and if there is going to be, again, a, a replacement. Um, and so being achievable is something for the long haul. We don't want to set ourselves up to fail, right? So maybe achievable would be to remove all food-like substances and only eat real foods. And that could be achievable for many people. And maybe it becomes even more achievable to say within the constructs of my household. You know, because then we're committing to what we're purchasing and what we're offering. But um, we know that we can allow ourselves a little bit of navigation and fringe if we're dining out at a loved one's house or a friend's house or something like that. Um, so achievable is important. Same concept of don't commit to running a marathon if you haven't jogged a, a, a 5K, right? <laughs> so achievable is really important. And then um, realistic kind of goes hand in hand with that. So achievable is, can it be done? Realistic is, is it realistic to get done? And that's kind of something to consider, kind of like the S and the M of specific and measurable are, are paired together. And then the T is, is putting that timestamp. So just like I said, there can be weakness associated with timestamp because it can create an end, if you will. Like the whole 30's over, that's when I'm letting go. Or you can use the timestamp to commit and then have a secondary goal that follows that of after this whole 30, I'm going to commit to keeping in these three behavior changes and I'm going to commit to keeping out these three behavior changes. And that works really well. And having a timeline helps to know whether you've accomplished it or not. So I think that can be helpful. It's just in the context of how you use that time timeline. Awesome. And then what do you think are like the biggest barriers, I guess, to actually keeping our resolutions? <laughs> 19 month old? No, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think so often we get tripped up in what we're not doing versus we are. We are often our own worst enemy, right? So with everything, and, and we're, we're going to hear this a lot in our virtual ketosis program as it launches tomorrow, um, you know, we're going to hear a lot of push on the parts that people are messing up or the confusion or the unknowns. And it's like, how about your first goal is to remove all carbs? Okay, check. <laughs> and now I want you to make sure that you're keeping your protein within your guidelines and getting three cups of leafy greens a day. Check. You know, and it's like, we have to allow ourselves that layering transition within resolutions and lifestyle change because it doesn't all happen overnight. And there is a one plus two equals three process to get there. And so I think that being too harsh on ourselves and getting into that dichotomy, like I mentioned with the cookie row of I ate one, I should just eat the whole thing. That same concept I think can overtake us in a negative way where, oh, I can't get this part of the goal, so screw it. So um, I think being mindful and being kind is, is a big piece of the puzzle. Awesome. And, you know, I don't know that setting resolutions works necessarily for everyone. I mean, I think for some people it comes very naturally, but not for everybody. And I have to say there's nothing wrong with not having a resolution or with having goals with a totally different time frame or focus. Um, so let's provide just some alternatives to resolutions for those of us that are not interested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I opt out. Um, yeah. So I, I think that a really great one is to choose words that, that resonate or word, focal words for the year that you want to embody, because this is really more of that kind of big picture, uh, yeah, esoteric, like becoming, right? So my year of the word, like I said, we, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but so I was recalibration, cha-ching, that's happened, um, and then some, and then 
this year, my word, as I mentioned, is mellow. Um, <laughs> and so it's a funny word because, um, you know, having the book coming out, I, I need to continue to check myself against that word in kind of an inventory and an assessment of how does this help me find my mellow? <laughs> so, you know, if I uh, put this uh, book out and it launches in early spring and I'm signing another book deal by the end of the year, it really depends on my, my relationship with how the book launch goes, uh, my full-on clinic load, where everything is at, and identifying the incongruencies with my mellow, <laughs> and then um, how I can which ones are modifiable. So which incongruencies are non-modifiable? Like maybe right now it's my clinic load because that's how I provide financial income for my family, right? Um, or maybe it's incongruent within my mellow to be traveling or have house guests every weekend. So I need to create personal boundaries and limitations. So I, I think that that's an important thing is, is using a word that you want to embody and then assessing incongruencies or lifestyle elements that interfere with you being that word and trying to kind of workshop that in the year to come. And like you said, it doesn't have to be the year. You could do it every birthday. It doesn't have to be the calendar year per se. Um, but I like that. I like the, the word embodying. And um, that helps you identify your priorities across the whole spectrum of your life within your family, your household, your health, your relationships with others, and, and so forth. Um, and one other tool kind of on a fringe of this is, and I love to recommend to clients, and we should definitely put out in our new email um, newsletter. So if you guys don't get our newsletter, Go to AllieMillerRD.com and there's a pop-up for a two-week meal plan. And when you hear this episode, we'll have a, ref a refresh of the two-week meal plan that Becky's currently working on. And um, sign up for the newsletter. We always put out really good value-added information. And when this podcast goes live, we will put another link to one of our um, most popular shared blogs, which is my life inventory checklist. So it's basically a 40-plus question checklist where you assess authenticity of uh, always, sometimes, and never on different things, like uh, pay my bills on time, always, sometimes, or never. I uh, take time to connect in nature, always, sometimes, never, right? And so you grade it, and then you, um, and you could use last year as a reflection, and then you assess which of those like, okay, always pay my bills on time. I think I'll keep that. That's great. <laughs> Check. Um, but sometimes taking time in nature for me is not congruent with finding my mellow. <laughs> so I need to get that to be an always. And how am I going to make that happen? And what were the areas why I, that didn't happen? Was it that I didn't explore enough hiking trails out here? You know, so kind of determining. And, and if I reflect back from 2016, wow, 2017, we hiked the Grand Canyon. We did a lot more connecting with nature, and that was a huge resolution. So it's a good way, that life inventory checklist, to really just take some time with yourself in your own headspace of who you are, where you are, and where you want to go. I love that. And like that checking in of, you know, am I being authentic in every area of my life? Because it doesn't, you know, these things, the mellow doesn't just relate to work. It's also your family. It's also your health. It's kind of interwoven throughout. And that's so important, I think, to say is that you can't be one person somewhere and then someone else, it kind of follows you. And, and oh, yeah. <laughs> everywhere you go, there you are, is I think yep. how I've heard yes. it said best. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, those are my fringe words that I've had for such a long time. And I think why 
hopefully all of you guys listening connect because there's that element of authenticity and integrity that is so essential when you're sharing yourself with others. And I, I think that the vulnerability factor is sometimes difficult. Um, and thank God for Instagram filters uh, <laughs> for the many times that I'm like, I just really need to tell you guys something. And I have a sty from stress right now, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and those are ways for the body to yell at you and say like, here, here's what's up lady. Check yourself. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Memo yeah. taken. Um, so yeah, I think it's an interesting thing and, and vulnerability and authenticity is a piece for sure of, of all of that. Yeah, and that's a good point that the bodies often where these things first show up, that you're being inauthentic or that something is off. <laughs> and I, I think as a um, you know person that connects with other people on social media and other bloggers and whatnot, I get really frustrated when I don't see that rawness. It's like, really? There's particular people, won't name them, but that wear <laughs> like a full face of makeup and fake lashes when they're exercising. And I'm like, I just can't aspire to that because that's <laughs> never going to be me. I'm going to be wearing like Brady's boxer shorts if I'm lucky. You know, like I might wear Lulu. That would probably be great. But you know, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about goal setting and kind of practical application of all of this as an alternative to resolutions. And I think this really starts with, you know, starting with that authenticity and also starting with vision and knowing where you want to be by this time next year or even looking, starting five, 10 years out where you want to be and working backward from that. Absolutely. So Knowing where you are is essential, and that's where that life inventory checklist is helpful. And then know where you want to be so you can determine the pathway to get there, right? So uh, looking at things like a vision board, uh, setting SMART goals can be really fantastic as far as this, uh, and really within visualization and a vision board, being there in that five or 10 year stamp away. And it sounds really wild to say, but like, what does it smell like? What do you see? What are you wearing? Um, I have a woman that I'm working with that is a pretty high stressed uh, physician and she is, uh, we're working with fertility and, you know, it's, it's this constant visualization of, I am there on a rocking chair holding my baby and I'm smelling her skin and it's, it's a, it's a process and it's an actual physiological shift that occurs in the body that pairs with the yearning. Um, and so it's the shaving of the, how do we unlayer the stress elements? What parts are give and take within the lifestyle to create that space? for that vision. Um, and, you know, vision could be on the other end, an acceleration of your career, right? Maybe you want to have a book deal. Maybe you want to have a TV segment, a podcast, whatever it is. What does it look like? Who are you talking to? Um, so I think really getting tight within that vision and incorporating that with meditation um, or active stream of consciousness can really help you then to create those specific uh, or smart goals, if you will, to, to kind of line up those years leading into the goal and the vision. And then from that vision, that's where you start to create those actual goals. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, they can be financial. It can be financial freedom to be debt free in three years. Right. And so then we look at 
for a smart goal within that. Um, I'm going to balance my credit card every month. I'm going to this. I'm going to save 10% of my paycheck and allocate that towards, you know, I'm going to pay an extra $50 over principal on all my loans. And, and so these are numbers, but then there's behaviors that go into that. I'm going to dine out once a week, you know, and, and so it all kind of creates this layering effect or vision map, if you will, to get to the outcome means once you know where you need to go and then you work back from there. Yeah. And then if you look at your one-year goals and they're not getting you anywhere close to what your 10-year goal is, we might want to reassess or add some new and goals. Absolutely. And I think that's a fine thing to do. We don't think of that as a failure. It's a redirection and your constant dynamic being that's going to be changing and, and your goal and priority might change based on your goal. You may have a new partner and they may influence your life in such a way that you never imagined, you know, and you have an intimate relationship and now you aspire all of a sudden to become a yoga teacher because they're really into that, you know, or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's hard to tell how your external environment is going to buffer and create shift within your being. And, and that's a part of us all being within this microcosm of, you know, connect interconnectedness, right? Yes. I love that. And then, you know, the way that we frame our goals and even who we tell them to and who we share them with and how we share them, I think matters. So we've talked about smart goals already, yeah. um, but you know, to the extent of even writing our goals like in the present tense, I think is important. For sure. Should or will. Yes. Don't should all over yourself. <laughs> That's one of my big <laughs> mantras too. Don't be shitting all over yourself. Uh, so yes, that comes often with, you know, shame and uh, guilt can be associated with that. So we really want to focus on uh, what we are doing and um, what is happening. Absolutely. And then, you know, sharing our goals with our support network, I think is so important or writing them in a place where yeah. we might see them every day or, um, you know, putting them in our car or on the mirror or on our work desk or whatever it is. Yep. And, you know, you and I are both pretty big into planners. So I really like to do <laughs> that in my uh, planner every month, kind of set some big picture goals. And uh, it's, it's nice to kind of forecast what's to come in the, in the month ahead. And I think that that works throughout the year in a really fantastic way. And then, you know, to get a little bit logistic on you guys, um, we both are working to use Asana, which is a, uh, what would be the term for it? A, I can't, I can't think of that. Project management, Project management. Thank you. Project <laughs> management board, which you can use in your personal life as well. So if it's like, oh, I realize that there's a 404 error on my website page. I need to correct that. I can push the, the link to an Asana task and assign that for next week with the upload of the new products that we have coming to the site and all these things. So for, I know there are a lot of you listeners that are also entrepreneurs and um, doing small business things and it can be very helpful to balance everything. And you can even incorporate things like um, I can have a tab for planning Stella's birthday party and have tasks oriented within that links to recipes. Uh, so it's a pretty nice little world and the preliminary base of it is free. So something cool to maybe check out. Yes. And it's only good if you use it. <laughs> it is only good if you use it. Yes. We said something earlier about application is only right. But um, within that, the cool part, my favorite part of list making is the crossing off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get to click when your task is done. You get to pull up your due date and see what's past due. Bum, bum, bum. And then you can also look though at all of your accomplishments of things you've already completed. So that's kind of, it feels good. I think to look at that. 
Awesome. I love that. And then there's so many like workbooks and, you know, other resources for goal setting certainly out there as well. Yes, for sure. Um, So one piece of advice I received on goals was that if it doesn't scare you or it's not like a little bit, I know we, we talk about smart goals being realistic, but if it's not like a little bit unattainable or a little bit out of your comfort zone, we want to throw it out and find something that, that really does kind of push our limits. For sure. You know, and like you said, maybe not a physiological limit, (laughs) so it doesn't necessarily (laughs) a marathon, but something that maybe it's public speaking, maybe it is, I don't, can you hear that? My phone ringing? No? Nope. Okay. Okay. I'm going to keep going like I can. Sorry guys. We're using a new recording system, so I'm not sure what we can all hear. Um, but so yeah, maybe not scaring ourselves on a level that it's not attainable. Right. But yeah, public speaking, maybe getting out there and maybe moving. If you're constantly down about where you live and that, and you do that life inventory checklist and you're finding that environmental element of maybe living too rural and not having connections in the city, maybe living the vice versa, too dense in a city and not having connections to nature. Maybe, so moving is super scary. That's something you could consider. Or um, maybe it means breaking up with your loved one because they're you know, holding you back from your goals. So I think sometimes goals are scary and sometimes you need to make a dynamic shift to really capitalize on the, the optimal you that, that you need to become. And then also with that being said, Becky, I would also say sometimes there's like, just like with everything, there's ebb and flow. And sometimes there's the flow part of the year where it's like, you're just in a good place and maybe you don't need to shake it up. (laughs) And that's okay too. (laughs) And then, you know, like we said before, vision can change, goals can change. And that's so important to recognize and not get down on yourself if halfway through the year you're like, oh, actually this is not as important as this other thing that's come into my life. Exactly. Right. For sure. And, and recalibrate, recalibrate. I think that that's okay. And, and that's adapting to that ebb and flow and maybe external stressors change. Like your boss got laid off and now you took on a higher role at your position. Well, that's obviously based on external demand going to maybe put back your goal of X, Y, Z because you're going to have more external stress. And, and if your goal is also to be debt-free, maybe this is a launch of you know, acceleration of income. And so maybe that's the right shift for you and the universe is teeing that up and girl, you've got to go for it. You know? So it's, it's allowing yourself that reassessment and recalibration when needed and riding those ebbs and flows. But if you're on a constant ebb, something has to give and it's important to recognize that as well. And then, you know, we want to check in on ourselves and revisit those goals as well. What do you recommend for how often or how to do that? Yeah. So just like I recommend doing a quarterly detox with my reset, restore, renew detox packs and the 10 day protocol, I recommend detoxing your life about at least semi-annually. Like I said, I like the ritual of um, you know using your birthday and mid and your half birthday, or using the new year and going into the summer like a spring cleaning type thing. But definitely reusing that life inventory checklist or any of your journaling strategies where you find the most confronting, personally confronting incongruencies. And that's kind of what I keep going back to of the who are you that you want to become and what's getting in the way of that. 
And I think that that ultimately in the silent space is what creates a lot of disease and a lot of uh, imbalance in the body. And so when we can make peace with ourselves, when we can forgive ourselves, when we can love ourselves, is when we start to see physiological harmony and a big rev of improvement in that HPA, adrenal, hypothalamus, pituitary stress access. So self-release and, and reconnecting and recalibrating is, is definitely a piece of the puzzle and, and checking in is important for that too. Awesome. So I know I'm feeling inspired to go kind of check in on my goals and get my Asana task list in order and <laughs> my planner up to speed today. Um, but I think we've covered some really good ground and hopefully listeners are also feeling inspired on how they can reset from the holidays, set those successful or going to be successful resolutions or goals and really focus on what lights you up and inspires you. So as always, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes so we can continue to share the love and wealth of information that is this podcast. Thank you everyone for tuning in and remember there's no shame in the game with starting small and layering the changes that you want to make to become the you that you know you can be. So uh, with love and light, you guys have a great week and um, yes, please, please, please hop over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review and a sentence or two on um, what you're enjoying. You can also go to the Ask Alley tab and give us updates on other things that you want to hear about. Next episode, we're getting real nitty-gritty back into science. So this was the fluff. So hopefully you all enjoyed it. <laughs> Take care. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.